As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I really do believe at the core of the human experience, our greatest fear is to be alone. I really believe that this is, I mean, even death is that fear of aloneness. So mm -hmm. I really think at, at heart, our greatest fear is of being alone. And we can endure anything as long as we know we don't have to do it alone. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. And around here, we know that life is hard and we gotta do everything we can to just make it a little bit more lovely. So it's my mission to bring you great conversations, practical tools and information, and a healthy dose of community to help make those things happen. If you wanna find out more, you can go to our website at cultivatingthelovely.com, visit our amazing membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, or by connecting with me on Instagram, which is one of my favorite places to interact with all of you. You can find me at Mackenzie Kappa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Ladies, this episode could not have come at a better time for me. I got to interview Michelle Cushat about her brand new book, Relentless, The Unshakable Presence of a God Who Never leaves. Now, you probably have been following and knowing that my family has been going through a lot for a long time, and things just got a whole lot more intense. Um, if you don't know, you can follow me over on Instagram to get a little bit better idea, and we'll be talking about it more on the podcast next week. But you guys, this interview with Michelle was just so personal and such a good reminder to me of how we can be actively looking for God even when it feels like he's nowhere to be found and how we can be setting those stones of remembrance even when we aren't going through something difficult so that when the hard times come, we can remember the things that he's done in our lives and, and so much more. It was just such a powerful episode for me, especially on the heels of a couple of weeks ago getting to interview Gary Thomas. I felt like this was the perfect follow-up to that interview. And I mentioned a couple of times in the interview that it was last week that I interviewed Gary Thomas, which isn't actually correct. That was two weeks ago, so you'll have to forgive me. But nonetheless, I really think that this is a good follow-up to that episode because it's kind of that next step after you're dealing with something traumatic or having to walk away from a toxic person is then remembering where you stand in your faith and where God is and how he still has you. And it's something that I've had to come back 
back to over and over and over again in the past two years and even in the past week as things have just been so incredibly intense and heartbreaking and frustrating and I am so grateful for authors like Michelle who get real and down and dirty about how sometimes you don't feel like God is there, but how he still is and how we can look for him and let him pursue us even in in the midst of that, those hard places. And so I really hope that you like today's interview, but I also want to mention that if you are in the middle of your holiday preparations and things are also feeling a little bit overwhelming... I want to invite you to come join us on Patreon because you guys were doing a whole holiday sanity series. And even in the midst of everything that I have had going on lately, this holiday sanity series is helping me to feel like I'm staying on top of preparation so that even when we are facing tragedy in our family, I am still able to give my kids some really precious holiday memories. And it's because I was able to sit down and lay out the plan ahead of time with this holiday sanity series. And so many of the women who are participating in it are saying the same thing, that it's really taking a lot of the weight off of their shoulders. We have an entire Trello board this time instead of printables. We noticed that people were starting to go more in the direction of digital, and this Trello board lays out week by week everything that you need to figure out and work on so that you don't get overwhelmed in the middle of the holiday season, but can take, you know, little bites off of your preparation coming up to December and even as you get into December so that it isn't so much all at once and you still get to make really magical memories with your kids without, you know, trying to go overboard. You can really customize it to do what your family most likes to do during the holidays. And I really enjoy that about this program that we've set up and we would love to have you come join us. So you can find us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We would really love to have you come be a part of that amazing community of women. And oh, did I mention that not only are we prepping for, you know, like Christmas, but we're also doing this whole work up to New Year's so we can slowly be distilling down what it is we actually want to be working on, what we can be doing now to have better success with our resolutions at the beginning of the year. So it's even thinking that far into the future. It's not just about the Christmas holidays, but really getting ourselves, you know, doing some self-assessment leading up to New Year's as well. So there is a ton packed in there. All right. But enough with that. Let's get on with today's episode with Michelle Cushat. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Mackenzie. I am so glad to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you. As we were just kind of chatting before we got started with this interview, I was saying I just had on Gary Thomas last week. And I feel like- Gary. Yes. Oh my gosh. He is one of the wisest men. He has such good perspective. And I was so surprised in interviewing him, like, because he was dealing with a a pretty, you know, tough topic about toxic people and everything, but he's such like a jolly, happy person. (laughs) Like he was such a fun (laughs) interview and he was so like happy-go-lucky. And here we are talking about like this really, you know, difficult stuff, but it was just, he was really refreshing to get to chat with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was just, I, I was telling you, I think that was such a great episode for me because it was incredibly validating about what I've been through. And it was also great because he's got this book and I wanted, people ask me all the time, like, what is a resource that I can go to about that? And I said, well, this, I finally feel like, okay, I have a resource for that. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like this episode is the perfect follow-up 
to talking with him about the walking away from the toxic people and the, you know, figuring all of that out. This is the, like the faith side of, okay, how do I still keep my grip on God when I'm dealing with those really difficult times, whether it's toxic people or cancer or, you know, whatever it is in your life, how do I still feel like God is with me and that I can cling to him when I feel like I've been forgotten. And you really address that in your new book, um, Relentless, which comes out today, the day of our recording. (laughs) So fun. Yeah. I'm so excited that I actually get to talk with you on launch day. That never happens for me. Me So it's perfect timing. I've been looking forward to coming on to your podcast for a while. So very excited. Yeah. Well, when Zondervan, which I love Zondervan, they, they've got a leg up on all the other publishers right now because they're sending out their full list of books that they have coming out. Oh, nice. When as a podcaster, I get that list in the summer, I can like cherry pick who I want to have. Yeah. And so when these other er, publishers are coming in kind of after the fact, they're like, oh, we got a book coming out. I'm like, well, Zondervan kind of already took the cake here. (laughs) They filled my schedule. But this is my third book with Zondervan. We love Zondervan. Yeah. I've been really impressed with working with them. And this was one of those books. And when I saw it come up, I was like, oh, oh, yes. the show. I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, this book is all about, you know, how do we hang on to God when we can't find him? Yeah. When we can't seem to see him. And we're not just talking about when we have a bad day, even though certainly it's helpful in those days too. We're talking about when you are experiencing extended seasons of pain and suffering, whether physical or emotional or relational Mm -hmm. or spiritual, where you really are, it's just like life is so full of difficulty and you're like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know that I can do this much longer and God, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. And so to give people a little bit of a background, I, you know, I'm sure some people will be familiar with you, but for those who aren't, would you just tell a little bit about your story? Like what makes you the person to be able to write about this topic? I, absolutely. I'm going to give you a very fast, like cliff note. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we can dig more into it later. But um, basically my parents became Christians when I was about five months old. So even though my parents had um, they basically had no experience with faith until they were in their mid twenties. I've never known a life without faith. Mm. And so I've had this very innocent confidence in God from a very, very early age. Uh, I prayed to him on a regular basis. I believed him, but somewhere in there, I came to believe that if I did everything right, if I was a good girl, that God would give me a good life. Mm-hmm. So my faith was very, even though I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it that way, I believed that uh, as long as I did the right thing, and didn't do the wrong things that God was on the hook to bless me. Mm-hmm. And then I entered my 20s. And from my 20s to my 40s, I experienced a series of significant consecutive losses. Um, basically, like my na- legs were just knocked out from under me over and over and over and over again. And that included uh, an unexpected divorce from my pastor husband, being a single mom, mm-hmm. remarriage and stepfamily, adopting three kids from trauma and abuse, and on top of all of that, three cancer diagnoses. I was diagnosed with cancer three different times, cancer of the tongue. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. So here yeah. I am. I make my living as a speaker and an author. <laughs> and uh, over the course of about eight years, 
I was diagnosed with cancer three, actually, gosh, five years. It's been eight years now, nine. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer three different times. The last time was so serious that they gave me two weeks to get my affairs in order, put me in the hospital, did a nine-hour surgery to remove two-thirds of my tongue. Oh, my goodness. Cut open my neck about six to eight inches to take out lymph nodes and my submandibular gland and other things to help rebuild my tongue. Cut open my arm about 12 inches from wrist to elbow to help put my Humpty Dumpty back together and then another incision on my leg. They gave me a few weeks to recover from that surgery, at which point in time, then they started very intensive chemotherapy and radiation. By the time all of my treatment and surgeries were done, uh, I had scars over all of my body. I had radiation burns from nose to chest. I had a feeding tube for five months, a tracheostomy for almost two months, and literally was on the verge of death. And the doctor said, we took you to the edge of death in the hopes of maybe saving your life. Oh my God. And so um, all of that, and then the years since that, it's been uh, four years since then, has been me trying to, to come back to life. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I now live with chronic pain, a permanent functional disability. Eating, drinking, talking is very, very difficult for me, and it will be until I die. And then wrestling with these questions of, hey, Jesus, I've loved you my whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, so, why, so why didn't you rescue me? I mean, all of these losses, all, and in the middle, I didn't even mention this, in the middle of my cancer diagnosis, my dad died unexpectedly of pancreatic cancer. Oh. So one thing after another, and, and you know, God, all right, so either you're not good and you failed me, or I wasn't good enough and that's why you abandoned me. Yeah. How else was I to explain the presence of my pain? Yeah. Ladies, I will never forget the scent from when I was little and my mother would clean the bathroom. It would not only permeate the bathroom, but all the other rooms upstairs. It was unmistakable. It was so strong. And you know what that smell was? Toxicity. It was terrible for us. But we've come a long way since then and realized that healthy, natural products actually work just as well. They smell a lot better. They're more enjoyable to use. And they're not going to be harmful to you and your family in the process. But it can be difficult to find the best products and find them all in one place. And that is one of the reasons that I love Grove Collaborative. And you know when I especially love them? During the holidays because you guys they've got all the special edition Mrs. Meyer scents but we're going to get to that in a second because I want to talk to you just a little bit more about Grove because I truly have my own membership to Grove that I bought myself because I love it that much. Grove Collaborative is the online marketplace that delivers all natural home beauty and personal care products directly to you. Grove takes the guesswork out of going green. Every Grove product is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. And this holiday, you can get your house ready for the holidays with a free cleaning set. You can choose from three limited edition scents from Mrs. Meyers like Peppermint, Orange Clove, and Iowa Pine. I always stock my house with all three of these because they truly just make you feel like you're in the season. I love them. You can relax this holiday season knowing Grove's got your back. And you save time and money by shopping with Grove. Order all your holiday essentials in one place instead of searching all over the internet for everything you need. You can just 
go to grove.co. And you guys, you know, with the holidays, there's always extra messes in your house. But Grove has these amazing limited time festive scents to make your house clean and smell amazing. Their site is easy to use. They offer recurring shipments if you want to go that route, and they deliver everything right to your door. You'll be joining over half a million families who trust Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. Plus, shipping is fast and free on your first order. For a limited time, when listeners go to grove.co slash lovely, you will get a free five-piece set from Mrs. Myers and festive holiday scents like peppermint or Iowa pine. Go to grove.co slash lovely to get this exclusive holiday offer. Again, that's grove.co slash lovely. It's so hard when you're surrounded by things that you just you can't make sense of and i you know it's hard because i think especially as christians we kind of come back to this well i i'm sure you've heard it like god works all things for the good of those who love him and sometimes you just want to like smack the person that says that because you're like yeah i get that but, but yes, exactly. And we, we quote that verse because we think it's a guarantee of a good life. Mm-hmm. We're not really reading it in context. Yeah. Yes, ultimately, all of us will, those of us who love Jesus will be redeemed and taken into heaven. Yeah. Our bodies will be made whole and everything that's been wounded and broken will be healed. But there is no guarantee in this no. life that we'll get that here. Yeah. And so we take that verse so out of context and then we all end up disappointed and disillusioned in God. Yeah. And I, I told that exact same thing to people so many times who are like, oh, I'm sure the truth will win. Or I'm sure. And I've said like, but it might not. Like yes. when I actually look around at what has happened in the world and to good Christian people, there are people who have died of cancer and have had terrible things happen to them. And it might not be okay. People say yeah. it, will, it will all work out in the end. No, it might not. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there may not be a redemption story here on earth. And that's a very hard thing to grapple with. And that's where your faith, like the rubber really meets the road. Yeah. I mean, that's the place where we have to decide if we will trust God based on his character or not trust him based on our circumstances. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to decide that. Ultimately, you and I, every single one of us has to decide what we're going to do with God, even when he doesn't do what we want him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I love though what you said, even in your introduction, and I kind of mentioned this when we were chatting, is you talk about how you used to be that person who would look at somebody who was doubting or having questions and be like, oh, like what is yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Where's your faith? Yeah. But then when you have real stuff, because I used to be that person too. And then when you have real stuff happen, you're like, oh, like I have had to kind of readjust how I'm thinking about all of this. And, and I, it's something that somebody has even questioned me about recently. Like, how do we deal with our kids having doubts or questions? And I am at this point where I'm like, I encourage them having those doubts and those questions because that's when their faith is going to get real. That's when they're going to own it. So well said, McKenzie. I mean, that's really it. For so long, we have heaped shame on people who have questions or doubts. We have added to their misery and their suffering by being feel guilty about the questions that they have. And yet Mm -hmm. I believe that having questions about the mysterious, the mystery of God, having doubt about how he operates is a product of being a normal thinking human who experiences hard circumstances. And God gave us a brain. 
Yeah. And the truth is, is God is beyond our ability to figure out. That means we're going to have questions. Mm -hmm. And can we learn to, to basically get comfortable with the questions allow and trust that our questions don't put them off? Yes. Our questions only draw us closer to him. I say it this way. If, if you went for a hike, I live in Colorado, so I hike in the mountains all the time. If I was hiking one day on a long hike and I ended up lost in the woods, I wouldn't plop down in the middle of the woods and say, oh, I'm lost. I guess I'll stay here for the rest of my life. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't yeah. do that. If I ended up lost, I would start using the resources at my disposal to find my way out. Yeah. The same is true with doubt. Doubt is just basically being lost in spiritual woods, okay? You're just having questions. Mm -hmm. Now, doubt is dangerous if you decide just to sit up camp there and say, well, I can't figure it out, so I'm just going to not believe or I'm just going to you know, not, mm -hmm. not trust God. I'm just going to doubt him. No, allow your doubt to help you to strengthen the resources at your disposal. Process, start thinking, read the Bible, ask other guides who have been there before mm -hmm. for wisdom. And that's what helps us, that's what helps turn our doubts into the means of strengthening our faith. Yes. Yes, because I feel like if we if we don't grapple with doubts or allow ourselves to have those doubts or questions, we're basically subscribing to a faith that is cult like. <laughs> like, no, 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 don't ask any questions. Just do just do what you're told to do. Like that is a brainwashing. That's not using your brain like you're talking about to to figure it out and own it from a personal place. Yes. yes. And at some point in time, we're not going to have all the answers, right? We're yeah. going to be able to unravel the mystery of God. And I think that that's a good thing. We do not want a God that is so small that we can figure him out. Yes. We want a God that is so much bigger and stronger and more powerful and more wise than our best wisdom. Yeah. Because that's the kind of God we can trust. Yes. Well, and I love, there was this quote in the beginning of your book that it says, this book is for men and women who feel beat up by a faith that has failed them and a God who has disappointed them. It's for those who doubt, but desperately want to believe. Yes. And that's, that's the kicker. Like you're saying, whether you just sit in the forest because it's like, oh, who cares if I find my mm -hmm. way out or you actually say, but I want to believe you. I want to believe that everything I know about you is true. Mm -hmm. And that's where the rest of your book <laughs> comes into play because you give this map of how to do that, how to find him, see him. And so much of it is really like going back over your life and, and really kind of like investigating your own life to see where he has been faithful. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I did that is because that's what I think we all should do. Yeah. Uh, we all need to go back, you know, from the moment that we came into being, we have been on this journey of, of, of relating to God, our creator, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we arrive at the place where we are now, I'm 48, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can't just, I cannot just contain, or I can't just look for God in just today. I need to mine the story of my life for evidence of him before now. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason for this is so important because when I face another hard thing, and we both know that more hard things are to come, that yeah. whatever we're dealing with today, Day is not the last one. We need to have collected a good arsenal of evidence of God's presence with us that then can hold us firm even when the rug is pulled out from under us again. Yes. Yeah. And having that, I mean, it's almost like a, a workbook. <laughs> I feel like this book of like, do these things 
almost whether you've experienced those life altering difficulties or not so that you're getting yourself ready for when they happen, because there's going to be something that happens in everyone's life where they've got to grapple with these questions. Absolutely. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. I quote John Ortberg in the book. Um, He wrote in his book, Soul, um, uh, soul keeping. I almost forgot. So keeping. He said, "If you ask people who don't believe in God why they don't, their answer, their number one answer, will be suffering. If mm-hmm. you ask people who believe in God who most grew, when they most grew in their faith, their number one answer will be suffering. Mm-hmm. In other words, suffering is not a neutral experience. Yeah, suffering is either going to deepen your faith or it's going to take you away from it, but it's not going to remain neutral. That means you and I have to decide now." Uh, how we are going to approach the hard things that happen. Because even if you're not in the middle of something hard now, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just like going back to that Gary Thomas interview from last week where it's talking about toxic people. And I, I said the same thing. Like you may not be dealing with a toxic person right now, but we're all going to face a toxic person at one point in our lives. We're all going to have difficulties. It's part of being a human. Jesus guaranteed this life would not be easy for us. So it makes more sense whether you are in the difficulty right now or not to be doing some of this deep reflection and heart work to set yourself up to keep your faith solid. Yes, totally. And that's, that's really, like you said, the workbook side of this book. So I'm a narrative nonfiction writer. I write story, but mm-hmm. uh, beyond, so I share my own story, but within my story, with each chapter, I give the reader a, a little activity that they can do, a little uh, homework or assignment they can do, because what I want them to do is pull out 12 altar stones from their life. So let me tell mm-hmm. you the story where that comes from. Yeah. There's a story in the Old Testament about Joshua at the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Joshua is leading the Israelites. The Israelites have come out of 400 years of of abuse and slavery. Talk about mm-hmm. toxic relationships, yeah. right? So the Israelites have been in 400 years in toxic relationships. God sets them free from that and tells them, I'm going to take you to the promised land. So they're rescued from toxicity. They're headed to the promised land, but on their way, they bump into the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is not like a creek or a stream. It's massive and it's running at flood stage. So literally they cannot cross it without dying. They will drown. So God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the middle of the Jordan, and then I will deliver you. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the tangible evidence of God's presence with them. Mm -hmm. So in other words, he says, I want you to take my presence into the Jordan and then wait and see what happens. So the priests carry the Ark into the middle of the Jordan River, and when their toes touch the water, the water piled up at a distance. So in other words, the Bible said that the, the water stopped flowing, And the riverbed, which was muddy moments before, turned dry. Mm -hmm. And the priests stood in the middle of the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. And as long as that Ark was there, as long as God's presence was in the middle, the Israelites crossed through on dry ground. But what's so interesting about that story is on the other side, God says, I'm not done yet. I want you to have 12 men go back into the middle of the river you just crossed, the river that you would not have been able to cross without my presence with you. I want you to pull out 12 stones and set them up as an altar on the side of the river. And then he says very clearly in Joshua 4, the reason I want you to do this is so when your children ask you years later what these stones mean, you will tell them about what God has done for you. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, God knew that this was not going to be the last Jordan River they would cross. Yeah. This was not going to be the last hard thing they encountered. And he basically was saying, you're going to have more hard things. And it may even be harder than the Jordan River. I need you to know that if I was faithful to you then, I will be faithful to you again. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the pages of Relentless, I have the reader pull out 12 stones from their own story, their own history, evidence of God with them that they can then set up, whether it's literal stones or maybe just a shoebox with cards in it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they collect 12 evidences of God's presence that they can look at and remember, no matter what they're facing, that if God delivered me then, he will deliver me again. Yeah. Ladies, it is the most wonderful time of year with Plan to Eat. I am so excited to tell you guys about this because it's the one time of year that they have a huge sale. We are talking 50% off, but you can also get 60 days free because you listen to this podcast. But let me back up, you guys. Let me tell you what Plan to Eat is just in case you don't know because it is my favorite meal planning service on the internet. I've been using them for five years, cash money from my own pocket. And you want to know why it's the best meal planning service on the internet? Because it was created by a family who had actual needs and knew what it would take to get dinner on the table and be able to plan it in a way that wasn't going to suck the life out of you. They've done really smart things. Like once you get all of your recipes into Plan to Eat, which you can really easily do with their tools that allow you to just copy things right off the internet, or even type them in from family recipes that you have very simply, but then you just drag and drop those meals right onto your meal plan. You can even create whole menus that you can repeat over and over again. So you can take an entire week or month where you've planned everything and just repeat it again in the future, saving yourself so much time and so much frustration. I mean, it's truly genius. They have an amazing app that allows me to never leave my shopping list at home. I always have it with me. I always know what we're going to eat. And it's so smart that it even puts particular foods at the stores that I typically buy them at automatically. So it arranges my list not only by category, but by where I normally shop for those items. It's a subscription service that normally offers monthly and yearly options for $4.95 a month or $39 a year. But this is where it gets good, you guys, because like I mentioned, Plan to Eat only has one big sale a year and it is here. You can purchase a single yearly subscription at 50% off, but only during November 29th to December 2nd. If you're new to Plan to Eat, visit plantoeat.com slash lovely and you can start a free 60-day trial instead of their normal 30-day trial. And you can still purchase a subscription during the Black Friday sale, but your subscription will just begin at the end of your trial. So that's like 14 months for 50% off the yearly rate. That is an amazing price, you guys. Go to plantoeat.com slash lovely and get this deal November 29th through December 2nd. You won't regret it, but go get your 60 days free right now. I, I love that. And even like you were saying in that story, which I think we often forget God parted the waters more than one time. <laughs> we always look yes. at Moses and we forget about the other ones. But the, the whole idea of passing those stories on to generations. Like not only can we be cementing our own faith and giving ourselves something to look back on, but there are stories that we can be sharing with our children and our grandchildren someday to help them 
have that same, like, look at how God has been faithful through the generations of our family. You know, it's so interesting. I was sitting here thinking this as you were talking, you know, at times when we're in the middle of these hard circumstances, like when I was going through cancer and I was so sick mm-hmm. uh, and my, I remember my, my third son, I have six children, ages 27 to 12, but my third son, it was his senior year of high school. And I remember almost nothing about his senior year because I was so sick. Yeah. And that seems unfair. And it, ticks me off. And there are times I'm like, really, God? I mean, it's a senior year. He'll never get that back. And now when he thinks about a senior year, he thinks about a sick mom. And I realized that really the better gift for my son was not having a well mom, but my son seeing God's faithfulness through a really hard time. Hmm. Yeah. And that is a better stone than me just being perfectly well. We would have taken that for granted and we would, it wouldn't have marked anything. What was the more important imprint on my son's heart and maturity and development was him seeing suffering and God's presence in the middle of it and God's faithfulness through it. That has marked him with a more permanent, uh, long-term positive result than just a normal, ordinary senior year. Yeah. As, yeah, as hard as that is and to have that perspective on it yeah. is is that coming out of the, the getting lost in the wilderness, like being willing to look at it from that other perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard because we want, yeah. you know, we want comfort. We want ease. We want everything to be happy and ordinary and normal. And yet there are times that the things that wound us the deepest end up developing us the most. Yeah. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kind of makes me want to scream and throw a place or two. Yes, it does. It does. Well, I also wanted to talk about how um, I found it really interesting throughout your book. I mean, your dad plays a huge part mm-hmm. of this book. And I was just wondering, like, what what made you decide to go there? Because you obviously have, like, a ton of your own stuff to be thinking about how God <laughs> has been relentless for you. You know, like, it's a you've got a a big story, but you really weave your dad and the difficulties of his story. And it almost seems like a love letter to him in in the, I mean, the realness of, you know, you don't paint him as a perfect guy, but you also honor him and give him credit. And I just found that really inspiring and interesting and was wondering kind of the backstory on that decision with this book. Well, my dad and I always had a very complicated relationship. He was a very hard man to connect with. And when you read the book, you will hear his story. He had a very, very painful childhood, very abusive, uh, went to Vietnam for two years. I mean, he was a kid that, you know, when he had me, he was 27 years old and had just come out of 27 years of trauma. Yeah. So that means he wasn't always the best dad. Yeah. He was a great provider. He, uh, he, he, uh, a friend at work invited him to church when I was just a couple months old. And by the time I was five months old, my dad accepted Jesus and became a Christian. But just because he accepted Jesus and became a Christian didn't mean that it healed him of all of his wounds. Yeah. So it was a very complicated relationship. So I grew up with a father I was terrified of. Hmm. and a father that I thought I had to please all the time and do everything right in order to make him happy. And that filtered into my relationship with God. And so even though in some ways he is to be credited for my history of faith, in some ways I am, I'm still trying to heal from the, the theological inaccuracies that came as yeah. a result of him, right? And this is why I chose to share him is because we all have relationships with people who have wounded us. And we tend to make people into the villains and ourselves into the victims. 
Mm-hmm. And what if we realize that we're all broken, needing saving? Yeah. Every single one of us has been wounded in a way, uh, some of us to a different extent than others, but we've all been marked by this imperfect life. And we all need rescuing, every one of us. And that means that some of the people um, that can be credited for our faith can also be blamed for the things that have gone wrong. And can we hold that intention? Rather than assuming that people are either evil or good, can we understand that we're all humans doing the best we can, but we're still broken? Mm-hmm. That there's really only one Savior who can do the saving that we all need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it, it, that's another one of those perspective things when you are coming out of difficulties and trauma is is which way are you going to go with it are you going to play the victim and continuously be marred by that or are you going to be able to move forward and learn from those relationships and those people and mm-hmm. still be able to you know move on with your life in a productive yeah. way Exactly. Can we hold that intention? I've, I hear from so many people who write me and have been so deeply wounded by people in the church, by Christians, by churches, and they, they want to leave faith because of what Christians have done. Yeah. Part of my showing this is that don't you see that faith is really what we all need? Yeah. Yeah. Without faith, we're just going to keep wounding each other more. Yeah. Abandoning God, abandoning faith because of what faith believing people have done. it makes, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's like, you know, saying that I'm never going to drink water again because I had one bad glass one time. We still need water. Yeah. Well, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, hold on. We, you know, it's even through this whole process for me of the past two years of really having to like take a step back and I feel like reassess everything in my life, even the way that I saw God and his perspective towards me and all of that kind of thing, I had to be able to say, but the core, I still, even though everything else has been shaken, Jesus, I still believe you are who you say you are. Yes. Now like form the rest of it around me. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. And you know what? That little mustard seed of faith, that little tiny iota of faith saying, I still believe, is enough. Yeah. Right? You aren't going to be able to explain why people behave the way they do. You're not going to be able to explain why some people are capable of such evil, some such criticism or meanness or cruelty or whatever. But Jesus is still Jesus. And yeah. right there, that's, I mean, that's the only rope that's going to leave me home. That's the only thing that's sure enough and solid enough to leave me home. I won't be able to explain everything else, but I can hang on to that. And, you know, being able to wrestle through my father's story helped me to um, not let him off the hook, right? Yeah. He still did things yeah. that were wrong, but it allowed me to have compassion for the fact that he, he loved Jesus with all of his heart. And the yeah. same Jesus that saved me also saved him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important when we can, and I think that's a big part of forgiveness because a lot of people say, well, if I forgive them, then I'm letting them get away with it. Yeah. And, and they're really two separate things. Like you can still forgive them or see them for who they really are, but, but be able to move on from dwelling on the difficulty. Yeah, that's been a, a a big step of maturity for me as being able because I used to think that I could not be hurt by some of my dad's actions 
um, because then I wasn't honoring him. And mm -hmm. so if I was going to honor him, I needed to pretend like everything was perfect. And I now realize that I can validate my own experience. I can validate what my reality was, what it was like for me as a little girl, and also honor this man of great faith who led so many people to Christ, who had such a passion for the gospel, but who was in progress just like I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps you to have grace with people a lot more. I think when you've experienced your own difficult things and everything to be like, okay, well, I guess I can have more grace for that person because now I've had like a lot of real life happen too. I had a situation happen not too long ago. I was at church, and like I mentioned, I have six kids, 27, 25, 22, 13, 12, 12. Wow. And my 22-year-old had come home for a weekend. He is a student at the uh, United States Air Force Academy, but he had come home for a weekend. And on the weekend, we went to church like we always do. So we were sitting in church. He was sitting next to me on my right side. The pastor was preaching a sermon. And during the middle of the sermon, the pastor asked the entire audience, how many, with a show of hands, how many of you grew up believing that you had to be good for God to love you? Mm. And he's, let me say that again. How many of you grew up believing that you had to be good in order for God to love you? Well, yeah. I didn't hesitate because that yeah. is how I grew. I really did believe that. And so I shot my arm in the up in the air and I, f I felt comforted because I noticed there were multiple other arms going up in the room. So I'm like, at least I'm not alone Yeah, <laughs> in that belief that I thought that God was so angry with me and disappointed with me. And he must just be so frustrated that he just doesn't want to mess with me anymore. Yeah. Um, but while my arm was in the air, I noticed there was movement on my right side. And I looked to my side and my 22-year-old son had his arm high up in the air too. Oh, wow. And in that moment, I felt so crushed because if there's one thing I wanted to get right as a mom, it was I wanted my kids to know how much God loved them mm -hmm. unconditionally. And yeah. the one thing I got, wanted to get right, I failed at. And I mean, I just, I was crushed. And so I looked over at my son, I patted his leg. I'm said, I'm so sorry, babe. I'm so sorry. I know better now. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, that's okay, mom. I know better too. Oh. And in that moment, it helped me to see, just like I did with my dad, that I'm yeah. not going to get it all right. Yeah. I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess it up. But God's mercy meets me there anyway. Yeah. Oh, that is powerful. And yeah, it just really hits home. I, you know, I look around so much just trying to muddle my way through figuring out how to do this single mom thing and provide for us and take care of their, you know, them emotionally and everything they're dealing with. And, but then I have moments where I break and I fail and it, it's, I think almost even harder. I mean, I know you share that, you know, you were a single mom for a period of time and that sort of thing. I think it's almost harder too, when you don't have someone who has got your back yeah. <laughs> in the parenting to be like, yeah, I, it's okay. You know, we're, you're, it's going to be okay. You're, they're going to love you anyway, you know, to, to kind of have that in the relationship. And you, you hit on that in the book. And I think it even wraps around to why this part of struggling with faith is so hard. Like we have this fear of being alone that we have more courage when we're buoyed by relationship, I think is the quote mm -hmm. from the book. And it's also why when we feel like God's presence is missing, why it feels so much harder. Yes. 
Ladies, teaching your children how to read can feel like slow and painful torture. Trust me, I know I have four children, and that is why I adore Homer as much as I do. Because not only is Homer Reading a proven learn-to-read program, it is also powered by your child's passions. And that's what I believe sets it the most apart from any other program that you are going to find out there. Homer Reading combines your child's passions and current reading level to create a personalized learn-to-read plan designed for kids ages two to eight. It offers thousands of lessons on phonics, sight words, ABCs, and more, and grows with your child. And it works. Just 15 minutes a day of Homer reading was shown to increase early reading scores by 74%. And I've seen my own four-year-old make huge leaps and bounds by using this app. I love that the Homer membership includes two apps, Homer Stories, a love-to-read library of interactive stories, and Homer Reading, the proven learn-to-read program. And that membership was designed for the whole family because you can get up to four customizable profiles with just one member. That is so nice when families have a number of kids. Eliana and I loved that right from the start, we got to go in there and pick out the things that she was the most interested in. And then Homer has geared everything towards those interests ever since then. There is so much content that she is never bored or uninterested. There's always something that is grabbing her attention and really helping her to make progress with her reading. Like I said, I've been so impressed to see how much she is retaining from using the Homer app. And it actually is a step-by-step learn-to-read program. It's not just for practice, and it's created by learning experts. So if you would like to get a free 30-day trial to try Homer for yourself, then you can visit learnwithhomer.com lovely. Again, that's a 30-day free trial if you go to learnwithhomer.com lovely. Yes, I really do believe at the core of the human experience, our greatest fear is to be alone. I really believe that this is, I mean, even death is that fear of aloneness. So mm-hmm. I really think at, at heart, our greatest fear is of being alone. And we can endure anything as long as we know we don't have to do it alone. But ultimately, pain creates a sense of distance. So whenever we go through some kind of pain and suffering, again, whether physical or emotional, spiritual, relational, um, pain creates distance and makes us, it convinces us that we are alone. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have to, I mean, that's so, that's why it's so critical that we collect these evidences of God's presence, our altar stone, so we can physically look at them and say, okay, I'm feeling alone, but I have reminders right here that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then second, equally as important, not only do we need to be reminded of God's presence, but God made us to live in community. Mm-hmm. He did not create us to live in isolation. And so you as a single mom or those who are just single, right, that, that are yeah. married, or yeah. even those who are married, but in very difficult marriages, I mm-hmm. know I have not enough hands, fingers, and toes to count the number of friends I know that are in hard marriages. Yeah. In marriages. So regardless of that, We still need community. That means we must, we must be intentional about creating connections with other people who are struggling with life and faith too. Mm -hmm. And that requires our own measure of vulnerability. We connect at places of vulnerability, not places of strength. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is so good. And so important. I think, yeah, it's just a really difficult one especially in my circumstance, because there are a lot of people who will say, you know, oh, you're not alone. Like we're with you. But if people aren't tangibly there, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. can, those are the moments when are the hardest, the hardest to grapple with it. 
And when you're in pain, even if you had a house full of people, yeah, yeah, it's true. Still feel alone. I mean, yeah, that's what pain does. It creates that sense of otherness, which is why. And people can't, you know, pain is a a distance that is very hard to bridge, yeah. and that's why we not only need community, but we have to have this constant ongoing reminder that God has not left us. There's one of my newest favorite verses in the Bible is John 14, 18. Jesus is talking and he simply says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yeah. And pain makes us feel like orphans. And Jesus addressed that directly. I will not leave you as orphans. I will mm-hmm. come to you. In other words, you don't have to come to me, Michelle. You, yeah. are, you are in so much pain right now. Life is so hard. You don't have to come find me. I will come find you. Oh, that's really a good one to hear <laughs> when you just, because sometimes you don't feel like you have the ability to make that distance, like travel that distance to God. Yeah, absolutely. I had a friend, uh, gosh, just last week, week before, who um, she was interviewing me for a different radio program. And when we were off the air, she said, so basically, Michelle, you crawled your way back to God. I said, no, nope, that's not it at all. He carried me. Hmm. I had no ability to crawl my way to him. I was out of any strength. I had no fight left. I had no ability to reach for him. And he reached for me still. Hmm. That is the real miracle. Yeah. We yeah. want to think that we need to bootstrap, our, bootstrap ourselves to him. And he's like, I got you covered. Yeah. I will find you where you are. Yeah. And that's another one of those things about community, I think, is sometimes, you know, I've, there've been times through the past two years when I've just said, like, I don't know how to hold on to hope anymore or how to pray or how to do those things. And it was my friends who came alongside and said, we will take that for you while you're going through this. And, and and reassured me that I don't have to have like this picture perfect relationship with him right now that he's still there. And sometimes it feels like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm so glad that they've continued to say that and pray and hold those hopes for me when it's been really hard. You know, uh, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, right? So right, you know, at the Last Supper, right there, when Jesus does the foot washing, he goes around, you know, he disrobes, he puts on the towel. So he basically took the stature of a servant mm-hmm. and he walked around and washed their feet. And then he told them to go and do likewise. And when we, when, when somebody comes to us or when we see someone that says, I don't have the strength to pray anymore, I don't have the energy to hope anymore. I don't, I, I don't even know what to believe anymore. When when we can sit there and put on a towel and wash, like literally yeah. enter in with them and say, it's okay. I can carry this for you. Yeah. This is what I'm here for. I mean, we, if we are not here for each other in the worst of times, then what is relationship really about? Yeah. This is really what, this is where intimacy happens is when you and I see another person suffering and we decide to get uncomfortable with them in their pain. Mm-hmm. And that is such a bonding thing as well. And when you've experienced it, you're more likely to do that for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with writing and creating some of these resources for people and everything to say, I know what it's like to feel alone. So here, I believe enough for both of us today. Yeah. He will carry you. He will come meet you where you are, even when you can't reach for him. I'm here. 
Oh, and I, you talk about that even just right in the beginning of your book. Like you had thought about not sharing the things that you were going to share, but then you realize, nope, there are other people who need this, who need to hear this. And I, for one, am so appreciative of you writing this book and being raw and real with those doubts and challenges. We need this in the church, in the Christian community as people. I'm just so glad that you've done here with this little book, what you have. Uh, thank you so much. I feel the same about you. I mean, what you're oh. doing here on this podcast is you're making space for people to just hang out with you in this hard place. I mean, you are being very authentic and honest about your journey. And the thing is, is, as your faith strengthens, strengthens mine, as mine strengthens yours. This mm. is what we need. It's places where we yeah. can be completely honest and transparent. And then both of us end up a little bit closer to Jesus and yeah. our faith a little bit stronger as a result of doing this together. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a really good note for us to like head into the, the funny bubbly things to talk about. <laughs> but I just, oh, I know, I know. So we'll, we'll transition, but I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful for this book and this resource. And I think that a lot of people are going to benefit from it. So mm, thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, it's chaos. I, yeah. <laughs> I have six kids, even though only three still live at home. You never stop parenting your adult children. Yeah. I have six kids. You know, I write, speak full time. I also do a lot of uh, consulting with businesses and entrepreneurs and different brands. And so I'm usually up at 5 a.m. I'm in my office, in my chair with a light on, a candle burning, doing some reading, enjoying the quiet. And then at 6 a.m., my kids start getting up and it's chaos. And then when they go to school, I have an amazing husband who's very hands-on. So nice. he does the morning routine so I can work. And then I do the evening routine so he can work. And <laughs> Nice. So yeah, that's kind of a normal day. I work from home, but I travel a lot. So I'm yeah. on a plane tomorrow and, and doing lots of these interviews, which I love. Yes, that sounds very fun. Okay, so how are you currently cultivating loveliness in your life? I love this question and I know exactly. I, like when you said you were going to ask this, I'm like, I know what I'm going to say. No. Um, well, when you had a life that's been marked by lots of loss and suffering and pain, it's yeah. very easy to become one self-absorbed, right? Yeah. Pain makes us pay attention to ourselves. So self-absorbed, but also negative. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, when you've had loss after loss, you start to learn to look for the next bad thing to happen, right? Yeah. And so I have noticed myself becoming more negative, like just waiting for bad things to happen mm -hmm. and even more critical. And so one thing I started doing a couple of weeks ago is I ordered a new package of markers. Hello. Is there anything <laughs> better than getting a new package yes. of markers? Oh my goodness. Yes. I love school supplies in any form. <laughs> exactly. But these are my markers. And yes. Any of my offspring use them because they will ruin my good markers. I brought really fancy markers, so nice. more expensive than Crayola. Yeah. And I got myself a brand new journal, a blank journal that's um, a hardback with really nice big pages. And I decided that, um, you know, everybody talks about gratitude journals. And so this is kind of a gratitude journal, but a little bit different. That I'm just going to, with my markers, draw pictures and write out phrases or things that I realized today were a sweet gift. Hmm. And to help intentionally focus my attention away from 
my chronic pain and the losses and the things that hurt and instead turn it to things that were sweet today. Yeah. And so, and it's one thing to just do it with a ballpoint pen, but for me, cultivating the lovely is using markers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's so like, it's the finding those little things that you're documenting, but it's also that creative process that I think is so like satisfying for our souls too. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm a terrible artist. I'm an artist with words, but when it comes to markers, I'm, I mean, like kindergartners do better than me, but it's not really about <laughs> yeah. that it's for my own enjoyment. And yeah. So I've got this big fat hardback journal now that is filling up with um, words and gifts and pictures and <laughs> verses and just different things that I'm grateful for. Oh, I love that. Love that. Okay. Well, my thing is it kind of took me by surprise and I wasn't planning on doing it, but last week, well, I knew I was going to have like a weekend with my daughters this weekend who are four and seven. And so we were going to do some different little crafting things and whatnot. And we were going to subscribe to friendly TV so we could get the Hallmark channel and watch like silly Hallmark movies. But as we got to doing that, we had to like go to Walmart and pick up some things. And I found, I didn't think we were going to be able to buy a Christmas tree this year. And I found one for this amazing price and it was exactly what I wanted. And so we bought the tree and we ended up going all in and decorating the whole house. Like we took down all of our fall decorations and we put up all the Christmas stuff. And I saw, I have a cousin who lives in Australia and she posted about putting up her Christmas decorations. I was like, oh, it's not a weird thing in Australia because they don't have Thanksgiving. So they're fine with it. Why are we hung up about this? I can be thankful and have my Christmas decor. Yes, you can. Yes. Oh, but they love that. Yes. Girls loved it. Oh, yeah. so fun. And it just feels like all cozy with the lights and everything. And so we are just loving having that all out. And I feel like I only get my kids for kind of like half the weekends for the Christmas season anyway. So I might as well start early so I can get more leverage out of the season <laughs> and like bring in more magic. And so we are just loving it. And it has been, it's the first time I've kind of stepped into doing something more creative and like really doing something with my home in a while after the trial and everything that we had. And so it was just really refreshing. I didn't get a whole lot else done that was productive, but it didn't really (laughs) matter. This is productive. Cultivating the lovely is productive. Yeah. I love it. I think you need to take a picture and post it on social media. Oh, well, I've been doing lots of Insta stories about the tree, but I need, I know I need to do like actual pictures too and put them in my feed because it's just been, yeah, very satisfying for the soul. good. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? Okay. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Oh, soy candles. Oh, yes. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Oh, paper. Who has the time for that? I know, right? (laughs) City or country? Country. All right. Paper or digital? Paper. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Not at all. I hate shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Online. Okay. Online if I have to. Okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you make dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Ooh. If I need a mental break, I would listen to music, classical music. Okay. I'm a pianist. I've been playing the piano. Oh. I was seven, so I would probably listen to classical music. 
Nice. Okay. Chocolate, milk, or dark? Uh, dark. All right. All right. Sports or no sports? Oh, sports. I'm a huge sports fan. Okay. Huge sports fan. NFL and Major League Baseball. Yeah. All right. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Broadcast. All right. I I know. It's so much fun. What is your favorite movie? Oh, Oh, so hard. I know. Day. It depends on the day. I know. Um... I know it's funny because I have this question and I don't know that I could answer it. Like it's really pressed. Yeah, I've got like five different ideas in my head right now. I mean, because I love all of the Lord of the Rings series. Okay. Um, I like Pride and I have a really eclectic taste. I like Pride and Prejudice. Which um, one? Um, I actually like the most the Colin Firth one is probably the best. Okay. The PBS Colin Firth one. Yeah. Most recent one's not bad either. The one okay. I like. Okay. Um but probably I would say uh, Les Miserables. Oh, okay. Yes. Other right than now, that's kind of what my favorite is because it's such a, it's such a gospel story. In yeah. Art, you know, so it's just beautiful. Yes, it is. I would have recast um, Russell Crowe. But other yeah. than that, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> we, did a great job. We, we need to recast for somebody who can sing. But other yes. than that, <laughs> it's such a key role. But. Okay. A final question. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, (laughs) where would you be on the spectrum? Oh, this is, I I live in Colorado. You guys know, right? We make make things a little crunchy around here. So I probably, I do shave, so I can't be a 10. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably be an eight. All right. I, you know, I've been known to, my son gave me his own kombucha starter. and I Nice. And I make my own homemade granola and, but I do shave. So I'm not completely out of control. I have right. plenty of essential oil. So yeah, all yes. of that. <laughs> all right. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. It was such a pleasure. Oh, likewise, Mackenzie. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, and the best wishes. Everybody go get this book. All right, ladies, I highly recommend that you go get this book by Michelle. It's relentless. You can head over to our show notes at boldturquoise.com slash 143, where you'll be able to find links to this book and, and a lot of other things that we talked about in the show. And please also remember, if you go through that link and you buy anything on Amazon, any of your Christmas shopping or anything, it gives us here at Cultivating the Lovely a little bit of a kickback, but it doesn't cost you any more money. And that is a huge way that you can be supporting the show and helping the lights keep on by just buying whatever it is you need to buy. You need to go buy toilet paper, then click through our link and it's going to give us a little bit of credit. So thank you so much to those of you who do that and just maybe give us some consideration as you're doing your holiday shopping and use our link so that you could help us out here. And if you want to give us a little bit of other help, of course, you can always go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. That is a big way to be supporting the show and sharing it with your friends. If you share on social media, be sure to tag me and I will reshare it. I love getting to interact with all of you on Instagram. You can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. I think I'm pretty funny on there. Some other people seem to think so too. So come over and join the hilarity over there. And of course, 
We'd love to have you in Patreon. We're doing that holiday sanity series, and we just have a really great group of ladies who share prayer requests. We're doing holiday crafting together. We are crocheting through the month and sharing what we're doing. We're doing a whole crochet along. It is so much fun. It's such a great group of ladies. So join us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. All right. Until next week, ladies, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.